Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Shut up and sit down. Hello and welcome back to Fourth Down Focus, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I am Dan Lundy, host of the podcast and founder of Fourth Down University. Football season might be over, but basketball is in full steam for both pro and college hoops. From all the latest odds, totals, and props to where the next coach fired is going to land, BetOnline is the number one spot for all your sports betting needs. Head over to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get started. And it's not just football and basketball. Bet Online is your source for hockey, boxing, UFC, and the best Olympic coverage in the business. Bet Online is your number one online wagering destination, providing the fastest and easiest way to wager on all of your favorite sports and Vegas casino games. Bet Online, where the game starts. Episode 67 of the podcast welcomes coach Bobby April, a 25-year NFL veteran coach and two-time NFL special teams coach of the year. Bobby, it is an honor to have you on our show. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Uh, Coach April uh, was ahead of my time, both college pro if I would have played pro, and uh, I was referred to him through a very good friend, Kendall Gammon, who was a guest previously on the show. And I'm forever thankful for Kendall's relationship because he leads me to guys like yourself. Uh, I want to start, and I guess let's begin early in your career. You began coaching uh, college football as a graduate assistant at Southern Miss, and then you accepted a tight ends coaching position at Tulane. And after Tulane, you coached DL and DBs at Arizona. And then you finally accepted a job at USC, which is where I want to get here at USC, which I want to say was late 80s. I saw that you served as the secondary slash kicking coach. I'd like you to share your experience uh, in your first year's coaching kickers for the Trojans, because I think you were a defensive guy growing up. And I want to know if this was perhaps a catalyst in your coaching career that led to special teams. Well, uh, a couple of things I did. I started out as a high school coach and I went from the high school I went to, which is in New Orleans. And Larry Smith was the, the head coach at Tulane at the time. Uh, but I did go to Southern Miss uh, and, and was a GA under Bobby Collins and then Jim Carmody. And I was on the defensive side of the ball. And Coach Smith had an opening late. He had a guy take a job at, the, at a junior college in, in Arizona. And, uh, you know, I probably lucked into the job. 
I had been around there when I was a high school coach a lot, talking with the coaches on the Tulane staff. And, uh, and you know, Coach Smith offered me the job. And uh, in another podcast, we can talk about it because it was really strange how I got that job. <laughs> uh, but uh, anyway, he hired me. I went there. I went to, you know, I went from Tulane to Arizona with him. Uh, he initially had me coaching a linebacker. I was, you know, I was young when he hired me at 26, uh, to be a PAC 10 assistant. Nowadays you can get a head coaching job in the NFL at that age, but sure. <laughs> back in back in the late seventies, 26 was extremely young. Um, so I was very fortunate. I coached the defense. I started out coaching the linebackers in the spring, the first spring we were there. And then we made a couple of, uh, additions and I ended up coaching the defensive line, which I had a little bit of a specialty from Jim Carmody. And then um, when Mo Ankney took the head coaching job at Bowling Green in 1986, he moved me to the secondary. He wanted to keep a lot of continuity, a guy that worked with me with the defensive line. He hired his defensive line coach. And uh, so, you know, you can only have so many coaches. And so he moved me to the secondary, which was a great, great deal for me because I then I had experience. I'd coached everything on defense. And uh, how it came about that I was the, the, the kicking coach, uh, I never actually coached the kickers. What uh, I, I coached for Coach Smith, I could, uh, there's a couple things I could, I could put in here about that experience. Um, we were there and we had, we had everything divided up among assistant coaches by, you know, I coached the punt return team. I had it the whole time I was at Arizona. I was at Arizona for seven years before I went to USC and other coaches had to kick off return or punt or whatever. And uh, we just had through, you know, no credit on my part, but we just had a tremendous punt block and punt return teams we just for whatever reason we just were really good and uh coach smith was really involved in the kicking game he was a he coached with Bo Beckler at uh miami of ohio and then he went uh to the university of michigan so he was with him eight years he went with jim young who was his defensive coordinator at michigan uh, Bo Schembechler's defense coordinator to Arizona. Then Larry Smith got the head coaching job, but Larry Smith was really involved in the kicking game. And I think the head coach, I bring up all of that because I thought that and have, and do think that everywhere I've been where se uh, special teams have been good, specialists have been good. The head coach is, is, is involved. Sure. It's just really involved. Now you can pick an all pro, you can go sign an all pro kicker and maybe the head coach doesn't even talk to the guy, whatever. And he can still be an all pro kicker. But in that developmental stage, I think that you're talking about having that guy as a, you know, as an advocate, having that guy, having a rapport with the guy, all those things uh, I thought was critical. And I thought Larry Smith did a great job of that. So anyway, he, he made me the special teams coordinator was the actual title. And what I was responsible for, uh, even though I had one area and like the offensive line coach had field goal, the defensive coordinator had field goal block, uh, the linebacker coach had the punt team and, you know, and so forth. Um, he, he wanted to, 
he wanted to make the special teams better. And I'm guessing because we were really good in that area. That's the only reason he picked me. If we would have been poor and, and the punt team would have been great, he would have picked the punt team coach, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, because I had no, you know, I had no advantage over anybody in special teams or anything like that. But the thing that he did, he, he had me coordinated. And basically what I was responsible for was, was creativity, uh, a plan, because, you know, guys can get tied down. If you're the, if you're the linebacker coach and you're going to be judged on how the linebackers play, uh, sometimes, not always, sometimes maybe you're not spending as much detail on that front five drop on the kick return and the double team and, you know, all that kind of stuff. You're, sure. you're bombarded with. So we tried to come up with something that just added more to the special teams, added more to organization, personnel, plans in the offseason, um, working it in the offseason, which we didn't always do. I mean, we did some, but not, not to the extent that we kind of moved on it. And uh, Coach Smith was really involved with the kickers and the punters. You know, there's, there's also this train of thought, and I, don't, I, I think it has some merit, and we can get into some of this later, where I remember Wade Phillips uh, talking to me one time about, you know, the kicking game. And he said, well, you know, of course, the Phillips were very humble, you know, and, and are very humble people. Uh, and he said, I, I, you know, I was talking to him about the kicking game and so forth. And, and Wade said, well, you know, Bum, he, Bum had a philosophy. I remember first staff meeting, I was in there with him. He said, hey, you fellas in here know anything about punting? And he said, nobody did anything. And then finally one guy raised his hand and Bum pointed right at him and said, coach, I don't want you ever talking to our punters. <laughs> so, you know, you can kind of have that philosophy too, because you can screw them up. Sure. Uh, you can really screw up. You can really screw them up. And there's that side of it too. Uh, especially for people that haven't done it, you know, that, just haven't done it you know you have to experience it and, and and i think that's that's important so anyway coach smith did that and then he got we got a, a ga from notre dame who had been with us at tulane andy garver whose son coaches wide receivers now for tampa bay andy was really a, a really knew the techniques and knew some of those things and then coach smith always had that ga work with the specialists and uh and in between Coach Smith's, you know, emphasis and making sure that he that that our kickers and punters weren't just guys that, you know, after we did something, they went on a different field and they were, you know, they were glorified, you know, uh, PE kids in the PE class. Uh, he made it important, and I I think that is my beginning of that. And um, I probably, it helped me get the job at the Atlanta Falcons because I had special teams coordinator at University of Southern California. I mean, that's a pretty good title. Um, but I actually didn't, I, I, I wasn't doing both. I mean, I wasn't doing both. We, we had that formula that I just said. We had a guy that worked specifically with the kickers. We had the head coach that worked with the kickers more on, you know, I'm here for you. You know, I, I, I know your importance to this team. I know 
we're going to probably score more points. You're going to score more points than any offensive player, the kicker. And the punter, you're going to be the most valuable player on the defense because you're going to be able to push them back for losses that no defensive player is going to be able to do. You're going to be able to move the field for us. And, uh, and I took that, you know, I took all of that with me as well. And, and, and it also helped me, you know, understand and, and see the, the, the really complex thing about how to organize and how to work the personnel. So that's how I started. Lots to unpack, but what where my takeaway is, and I'm a specialist, and I have a lot of respect for coaches who have a lot of respect for us. Uh, I thrived in environments in my career where I felt the support. Um, it may not have been from the head coach. Uh, oftentimes it was. That was usually my number one advocate because I, I think that's that's a good head coach. But there was always someone on the staff that knew nothing about what it is I did, but they – they brought confidence in other ways and like, like how you guys draw it out of other position groups. And I, I don't like, yeah. I never liked being felt different. I, I like being, I was a specialist, you know, I was a, an assassin, if you will. I, I got much less chances, but when I went, I went out there, I better hit my mark. You know, Th- these are very impactful points in the game. These are big transitions in football that, that break backs sometimes, you know, so we're a part of that. And I think it's of the utmost importance. And I think that, the disconnect is in high school still. I think college has embraced it. I think NFL has definitely embraced it. Uh, it was clear this this offseason or this postseason, I should say. But I think high school, I know that they're limited in resource and time and, and, and actually knowledge. I think there's an ignorance there that if they were told how important or realized how important, perhaps more time would be spent there. But I think when you deviate or avoid preparation in special teams, even if you're good, if your opponent is equal in ability in two thirds of the game and they spend more time and they're better prepared, that that's often the difference unless there's turnovers and stuff. I know things happen, variables happen, but in a vacuum, special teams wins games, right? I mean, and, and you know that, uh, and you won several because, uh, because of the time you spent there. So you mentioned uh, the Falcons. That's where you started your, your NFL career. Um, I wanted to ask you coach, uh, what is the major difference to you between coaching fourth down uh, on Saturdays and on Sundays? Well, you know, coming out of the Pac-10 and coming out, particularly at the time I did at USC, you know, that was a very high level. That was a very high level of athlete. Uh, We certainly didn't have every guy as an NFL player, but most of the kids that played as starters at SC the four years I was there, either were drafted or, you know, had a, you know, had an opportunity to, to, to go as a free agent. Uh, so we had not all, not a hundred percent, but we had a lot of kids. So we, the talent level was, was different, but, but, but again, I was coming from a real high level place. The, the, the difference, I think the greatest difference was the range of game plans and the, you know, the different schemes and formations and different things that people would do in the NFL. Uh, You know, you had, you had to prepare a lot greater as a coach. And uh, you know, that first year I coached, well, not first, our first three years, the whole time I was in Atlanta with Jerry Glanville, I was the tight end coach and the special teams coach. So, you know, I was, I was involved with the offense 
I mean, I was involved with, you know, and, and a lot of people, and it was like that then. And in college, some places, a guy coaches linebackers and a special teams, you know, secondary and special. So I was spending a lot of time in staff meetings on offense, you know, watching practice, going over game plans, uh, you know, to that offensive coordinator, I was a tight end coach. Um, so I really, uh, I mean, it was a lot that first year. Fortunately, Keith Rowan, who, who had been uh, the special teams coach prior to me with Jerry Glanville at Atlanta, and it's coached special teams several years. We had worked together at, at, uh, the Atlanta, at, at Atlanta. I'm sorry. We had worked together at Arizona. And then he got me, he got me into the NFL basically. And he was a great help. And Jerry Glanville was a tremendous, tremendous coach for special teams. Uh, just tremendous. I, I, without Keith and Jerry there, I, you know, I, and we were really good at Atlanta on special teams. This happened because of those guys. There's this guy named Deion Sanders. I don't know if you ever heard of him down there in Florida, but I think he went to University of Florida or Florida State. One of those two, I can't remember. But anyway, you know, he was our returner. We had guys like Jesse Tuggle, who was a, an all-pro linebacker, played on, you know, three teams. I mean, we were, we were just really good. And, uh, but it was because of those guys. Cause I come in there. I, it was, it was, it was, uh, it was a great learning experience to learn an NFL offense and to learn because the tight end you're, you're involved with the, you know, you're involved with the passing game, the running game. Uh, tight ends a pretty good position. Now guys are getting coordinator jobs from that position. Uh, before it was kind of an entry level position. Sure. And so with special teams was kind of an entry level position. And I think that's one of the, one of the obstacles that, so many coaches and players have to overcome uh, that, you know, they, they, they view it as something that you do when you're not playing offensive defense. And, and it's obviously not the case, but, but it is perception wise in many times the case. So that was, that was it. And then, and, and then also, you know, we had the, we had the 45 man roster. Well, at SC, you know, we had, I, I don't know what it was then. I, I think it was 90 scholarships or 85. And then we had, we didn't have a big walk-on program there, but still I was double. And we had, we had 53, the 53 man roster, but on, on game day, we only had 45. Mm. And, um, you know, that was, that's not many guys. Uh, I, I mean, <laughs> it was enough. Everybody gets their guys out on the field, but, coming from a college roster and then also the, the preparation of the scout team, you know, when you're dealing with just 53 now, now the, 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 now it's a little bit different. There's, there's more guys, but in, at that time when I broke in, it was 53 guys. So, you know, a lot of the guys are offensive linemen, quarterbacks, some big, heavy defensive linemen, and you're working, you're trying to work as, as close to two units as you can. You also have to have a scout team, you know? So that, that to me was the big, you know, work, being on that, being on the, and, and, you know, we didn't have uh, Excel in those days. 
So, <laughs> so writing up that depth chart, uh, I spent a lot of time, w- w- uh, you know, writing down names, erasing names, whiting out names. Uh, we didn't have computers. So that was probably the biggest difference. And, uh, and then, but we also had a lot more time and Jerry was, was, uh, very gracious with the time. Of course, he believed in the area. You know, you're talking about high school coaches. Um, I still, of course, my son played high school and I went to all his games and, and I'm still pretty active with the high school I went to. I'm living here in New Orleans area. And uh, and so I'm still pretty active with the high schools. I go to a lot. Man, I see a phenomenal amount of games decided by special teams. I mean, flat out. It might not be the winning touchdown, but the 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 nature of the game with either poor snaps poor punts the field position block kicks missed kicks run backs you know is is i mean a, there's a there's a lot of fireworks going on in a high school special teams game amen it's it's there's too many variables you know um and I coached 12 years and uh, the highlight of my high school coaching career was, you know, I went ahead and learned for a couple of years before taking over that role of scheme. And I kept it very vanilla, but I made, I made certain that the, uh, the punt unit, it was predominantly defensive players that realized that how well we do right here is, is, is the start of our defensive drive. It's the first play of a defensive series. That's correct. As soon as as soon as they re- the realization hit and they saw it in games, the impact it would make when they completely won that down, especially that that unit, it it changed us. And then it and then it trickled over to let's go attack their punt, right? Because it's equally as crippling if we can, you know, block a few. So we blocked nine punts one year, coach. Nine punts and yeah, that's insane. That's insane. You know, yeah. and and but I had Division One kids in the right places, and we stunned it a little bit. Whatever, we did some some creative things, but kept it very fundamental. But we knew full and well that the opponent across from us, they didn't spend that thirty minutes a day that I was allowed to with my guys. And again, the buy-in, of course, right initially was, you want thirty minutes a day at practice, four days a week, and I'm like, yeah, let's just extend it. Let's send the boys home at six thirty instead of six. You know, this is important. And at first, kickback, week three. What do you need, Lundy? You want to go extra right here? We, we can take some scaly out, you know, like because they realized that we were breaking people's backs. Oh. Um, yeah. So, it, yeah, it, it was awesome. I want to talk about that. You've coached high school. You've coached college. You coached NFL. Um, you've had to recruit college players. You, you've had to identify high school talent, I'm sure. Um, when you evaluated talent during the draft per se, or, or recruiting a kid to USC, what traits did you look for in these specialists? And I'm talking about the kickers and the punters and the snappers specifically. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I would say, um, in college, we, we evaluated, you know, we all had areas, so I'm not really great to speak about recruiting a high school kid. Although what I'm going to say probably will reflect on that. We did, however, uh, if I had a, a specialist in my area, uh, you know, and most of these kids played another position, but, and then back in those days, they weren't all these camps and all of these things to really evaluate. So we really evaluated the kid, 
you know, just off of his game tape. And then if he met the criteria we wanted as a, as a football staff under Larry Smith, uh, you know, we were going to recruit him. And so I didn't specifically recruit those guys. Uh, now I evaluated them, you know, I evaluated them on what they had timed them and did all of that kind of stuff. Um, but once it got into the, once you got into the NFL, I was heavily involved with the evaluation. Now, you know, there's a lot of, uh, <laughs> when I started, you know, everything has changed, you know, you got to go back to 1991 for me and some people playing football, they, you know, they weren't even around in 1991. And uh, when I say some people, I mean, the majority of people sure. playing football yeah. weren't even around. And a lot of coaches were, were still in their, their, their cradle, you know? So, uh, and some of the guys were talking about it and that's not a knock. That's just the reality. Sure. You've got a lot of young, young high school coaches a guy, 30 years old might be coaching nine years now in the NFL, but uh, you know, we going way back for, for when I'm talking about breaking into the NFL, we, we initially had uh, Ken Herrock was our general manager. We had six scouts. He had a guy that w worked in-house for him. He had one secretary and that was it. And we had, we had eight position coaches, a head coach and a uh, strength coach. Now, I mean, I, I, I helped uh, a few years back, LSU, I was a consultant there, and uh, I walk into their recruiting room, and it was bigger than the, well, way bigger than our staff at Atlanta, <laughs> and way bigger than if we put the scouts in there. You know, they got tons of guys doing this stuff. So it's, it's uh, you know, the technology has made things totally different. But what I look for, to answer your question specifically, I'm just saying that I come from a little bit of a different world in my beginning, but it's carried through all the way. Certainly you look at the results. You know, you certainly look at the results. You certainly look at, you know, does the guy have the get-off time? I mean, is he only successful when he can kick a field goal with a one, four, five get off. If he's kicking at a one, three, one, and he's not successful, um, you know, or the only miss he has is the, the two that he, he had to kind of hurry up and, or he got off fast. And those things that, you know, that are just, are just factual, you know, just factual in a kicker. So certainly you'll look for good results just like you look for players with great ability. But then I, I, I think, you know, those kickers and punters and snappers, I mean, almost to the man, I say almost to the man, because every now and then I had a kid that was, you know, just not as, you know, not as much uh, part of the team as I wanted them to be. But that's very rare. Most of these guys that are kickers and punters are, are, are gold, you know. I mean, they're good as gold. And their work ethic is good as gold. And they're special, you know. They're specialists, but they're special people. But I really look for guys that uh, – I was very emotional as, you know, I didn't play in the NFL. I played in college and, and then, you know, and then coached immediately after 
uh, I was very emotional and, and I always, and I always tried to simmer that down. Uh, but it just was in my DNA. Uh, and I, I always tried to simmer down and I, I just, I couldn't, but one experience happened to me. Uh, I had gotten beaten out and, um, and I wasn't, I wasn't thinking I was going to play in the game at all. I was thinking I was going to ride the bench, you know, and, uh, and I was playing on special teams, but this is what I'm saying. Some of the obstacles, I experienced these same obstacles. I thought in, in college playing linebacker that if I wasn't starting, you know, I would do, you know, I play, but I wasn't really playing in the game. I was playing on special teams. So I know all this stuff from experience mm-hmm. and you have to, you have to cultivate that out of the guys. Sure. And I'm not saying my college coaches did, and I'm not putting it on them. I'm just saying my own experience. I was like that. And I know the obstacles firsthand, but anyway, to get to the point about emotion was I wasn't planning on playing in the game. I wasn't thinking I was going to play. And like the first or second play that the guy that had beat me out or he actually, they, they, I didn't play good enough in a couple of games and got beat out. He didn't actually play. (laughs) I just wasn't playing good enough. And, uh, uh, and I went in and I had the best game I ever had. And I was like, man, this, cause I went in, I was calm. I, you know, I'd go into games the first series. I was like exhausted cause I'd used up so much nervous energy. I'd come to the sideline, even if it was a three and out, just, and so I really tried and wanted that. And I wanted that in the kickers. I wanted that in the kickers because all the guys I'd been around uh, in college, you know, the Max and Dejas, you know, there's a, the great Zendejas family, uh, Arizona State. And we had Max at Arizona and they were just calm as can be. And then I went into the NFL and the first two guys I had were Scott Fulhay out of Kansas and Norm Johnson out of UCLA. And they were just so calm, you know, they were just so calm. And the kids that, you know, the SC kids were, you know, Rondale was our punter and they were just so calm. And I thought, God, this is just the way to do it, you know? And, and uh, so I always look for that emotional factor. I'm not, listen, I'm excited when I, when the kid kicks the field goal, you know, the kid at Cincinnati and he's, he's all jacked and he would just hit the game winner to beat Kansas city. I mean, I love it. I love it. But I'm talking about as, you know, just, I didn't want him so wired. Like I was. They, <laughs> and I, I look for that first kind of a, you know, I've seen the word and read the term, you know, emotional, uh, um, emotional um, what am I maturity and I really was looking for something along that lines I do love emotion I'm, I'm I'm speaking out of both sides of my mouth now but I wanted that kid that was calm that if he missed a big kick he wasn't going to be a you know he, he wasn't going to go in the tank I didn't want anybody that would go in the tank and I think emotional guys do uh they're up and down and I you know I'm like that and so I know that world and I, I tried to use my experiences to help people not be like that. Um, the other thing I, yeah, 
I, I, especially after that first year, I wanted, you know, really guys that are great workers because that's a real craft. I mean, that's a real craft that, that guys, and it's, it, it's not, it, most of it's not natural. I mean, it's, it's the guys that are great are more natural than the guys that are not great, but it's not something that, you know what I mean? I mean, you don't, you, you don't grow up and have a skill to be able to punt the ball. You, you basically have to work at it. Sure. You don't go out there and soccer style of football on a moving ball and then it's held and then you kick it and you've got to get it off fast and, and you're kicking from different angles and you that doesn't come to somebody. They're not born like that. You know, they might, like I said, the great ones have natural, more natural ability than the other ones, but they probably had to work their rear end off to be where they're at. And I thought, you know, the guy that most showed me that was Norm Johnson. Uh, you know, he kicked for a long time, Absolutely. Uh, kicked for a long time. I had him at two different places. I had him at Atlanta and then I, we got him at the Steelers when I went to the Steelers from Atlanta and he was just, a, just, a, just great, you know? And, and, uh, but I remember him out there. He's almost like, you see these, am I talking too much in this thing? No, I'm enjoying it, man. Are you kidding me? Okay. I rem you've seen these these deals like the the guy from russia who's a wrestler you know he's got the log on his back and he's walking through knee-high snow you know as part of his training well this is norm johnson he's out there he, he i don't know where he got it but he had like a log that he either found or purchased somewhere and uh it was like a telephone pole type log and he would put it on and he would do uh, vertical leaps and then vertical hops with this god dang thing I don't know how much it weighed it must have weighed 80 pounds or and he would be he'd have, he'd have his arms around it and he and I'm thinking look at this freaking guy then I go in a weight room and he's stretching he's got he looks like he's in a dance class he's got his leg up on the wall and he's and I say, yeah, this guy really works at his craft I mean, this guy, he's really works. And we had another guy like that at the time in Atlanta named Mike Ken, who played about 18 years as an offensive lineman in a league. And, um, and that was an eternity in those days, you know, in 1991, that was an eternity. Now there's a couple of guys that make it that long, but, and he was always in there stretching and lifting and sitting in the whirlpool and, and uh, so I, I wanted guys that that kind of were like that because I knew they were going to get better, along with some of the other uh, qualities, you know, uh, guys that were unselfish. I mean, it, you know, if you were going to if you had a chance to kick a 58 yarder in, in the dome and I told the head coach, you know, uh, I think we need to punt here. You know, ball's on the 40-yard line. I think we need to punt. Well, that was a reason I said that. You know, that wasn't just, I want to rob you of an opportunity to make a big play. We were, we were down 21 nothing, and the first three times their team had the ball, they went right down the field on us. We have to help our defense right here. I know you have the leg to kick 158 indoors. Sure, sure. I, you both, we both know what your chart says. 
we can't afford to give them the ball at the 48 yard line in this situation. I don't want to be, I don't want to be arguing on the sideline with a guy, you know, so you need a guy that's confident, but also understands the team, you know, so that's what I mean by unselfish for a punter, you know, so many of these guys, you know, the only, the only way they, they make all district or all state or whatever is their, their gross punt. And, uh, the gross punt is, 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 is not the number one priority to, in my mind, you know, pinning them inside the, the 10 or at the 10, uh, it's going to hurt your gross punt. If you're punting from the 45 yard line, right? Sure. If we, if we need to, you know, we're up by 10, there's a minute left. And we need to uh, line up in tight and, and punt it out of bounds, get it off quick and punt it out of bounds. And you may net, you know, 36 yards. I, I you know, I don't want to hear, you know, I don't want, I don't want to sign a guy, recruit a guy that is not in that line of thinking that, yeah, we need to make sure we don't have a big play against us. You know what I'm saying? So sure. I look for people with those kind of football qualities. And a lot of them are out there when you recruit, when you recruit in high school, because maybe the, maybe the quarterback, like when I played in high school, you know, our quarterback was always the punter because he was the best athlete, that type of thing. But, you know, so I was really looking for, you know, that, that, that player that was, that, that was confident, that was, not super emotional on, on missing a kick or whatever guys that were unselfish and unselfish. You go, how can you, you know, what do you mean? He's, he's, of course he wants to kick the field goal. He's wants to be good. I don't mean that. I mean, some of the examples I gave, uh, you know, where we're playing Devin Hester, you know, I, I don't want you to create 20 yards of space between him and our coverage. I just don't, you know, I don't want him in space against, against our guys. I mean, what, you know, who, what coach would want that? So we need to hang the ball and, and get our coverage as close to him as possible. Or, you know, he's going to run and make that, that, that hard-ass diagonal cut while we're wondering where the hell he's going to go. And he's going to split us. And, of course, he did that a lot of times. And he did it for that, you know, your T-shirt's got uh, some hurricane literature on there. And he was a great king. Yeah, he came in a year after me. So uh, I was a great player. Yeah, I was 2000. He was 01 coming in and he would come out early and take kicks. I mean, he was special. Him and Ed Reed would come out with Santana Moss, Reggie Wayne. There was a number of these guys that now everyone knows who they are. But back then they were just college athletes. These guys would come out with the kickers and punters to get loose. And their way of warming up was to take kicks because it was fun. You know, um, and it was just really neat to see those unbelievable athletes uh, in the prime of their life. I mean, they were boys at that time. Yeah. And, and I would give them situational stuff like skies and squibs and deep and all sorts of stuff. And it, it made me better. Uh, we, it then turned into that we'd have hands competition some days. We'd see who could, who could handle the best or most consecutive uh, one of my onsides. So it was, it was instant feedback for me 
to kick to these elite people and see if I'm challenging them, if I'm taking them out of their position, right? That's what I loved about my experience at Miami was I saw greatness, man. I saw it all the time. I saw it everywhere. I said Vince Wilfork was up front. Jeremy Shockin and Kalen were in tight end. I mean, Ken Dorsey is one of the brightest people I've ever met in my life. And he wasn't uh, 6'4". He wasn't 225. He didn't run 4'6". He couldn't throw certain route or, you know, certain places of the field, but he, he did the most within his parameters that I've ever seen, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that that falls under looking for great workers Mm -hmm. because the kid that's the kid that basically um, lazy or not a good worker he's not going to go out there and catch all those punts unless he has to, Mm -hmm. but it sounds like these guys did it on their own. It was fun to them. They enjoyed. Yeah. Yeah, Well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. They love to, they love to work. They love football. It amazed me because, you know, I had a feeling these guys, most of them were going to play on Sundays. Some of them were very obviously going to play on Sundays and they still found a way to have fun with it. It didn't seem like it was a burden at all. In fact, You know, I think the reason why they were able to do that was because they were relentless in the film room, too. They stayed after. So there was no there was none of that. You know, I think that's part of why we were good. And that's why you were on good teams is people don't realize that this doesn't just happen. You don't fall out of bed and be great. I mean, greatness, it's, it's oftentimes discipline, the most even people, the people that aren't scared to fail. Right. They fail forward, if you will. Um, And I, I think people that are lazy think it happens that way because that's their perception of how things should happen. But the sad truth is you have to earn it, especially now it's so competitive now to play football at any level, uh, you know? Um, And I like that about the game because it keeps you honest, you know, what's more important than peace of mind, nothing. And uh, that's what Nord VPN is here for to give you peace of mind while online. And with all the threats that you face day to day on the internet, it's more important now than ever to be sure you have the best VPN you can. NordVPN is the world's best VPN service, offering the fastest connectivity, most servers, and next-gen encryption to make sure that everything you do online stays secure. Plus, you can use NordVPN on all of your computers and devices, no matter the operating system. With NordVPN's unlimited bandwidth, you never have to worry about a slow connection either. And plans start just under $4. So grab your exclusive NordVPN deal by going to nordvpn.com slash believe or use the code believe. That's B-L-E-A-V to get up to 75% off your NordVPN plan plus one additional month free. It is also free with Nord's 30-day money-back guarantee. And now back to the show. Okay, so if you were asked to coach one more game, and I think you've answered one of these for me, um, I, I want, I'm your GM, and I hired you for one more year. I pulled you out of retirement. I, I paid you so much money you couldn't say no, uh, and I asked you to identify and go and get uh, any three guys that you've ever coached. Um, pull them out of retirement, but you need to get one kicker, you need to get one punter, and you need to give me one long snapper. Who are these guys? I'll be able to do that. Uh... Um, maybe reluctantly because I don't want to compare any, any of the players I had. I, you know, I, I love them all. And they're like picking who's your favorite kid, uh, you know, but, but before I do that, I wanted to say one thing about uh, university of Miami. Uh, 
when I went into, you know, the NFL, of course, I coached at USC in the late 80s. And of course, Miami was very good throughout the 80s. So I was a college coach, you know, late 70s and then all through the decade of the 80s. Um, and Miami was, obviously, you know, the history. And so does everybody probably that's listening to you. And, uh, you know, they, they had this perception, you know, of however it arrived, you know, that, uh, that maybe, you know, they, they, they weren't as whatever as anybody else. So wh whatever that was in their mind. So I would often get asked questions uh, about, uh, you know, somebody like when I had kids from Miami. And what I ended up coming to the conclusion was very rapidly because Miami had a lot in the early 90s when I first started coaching. And then, of course, through the 90s, but particularly at that time, they had a lot of players in the NFL. And I was around quite, you know, I was around, not a lot because I was only on one team, but I was around them through my career early and throughout my whole career, throughout the whole 20, 20 plus years. And uh, they would ask me about a kid or this or that. And I go, man, the one thing you really don't know about Miami, because it never gets publicized, it's almost always whatever about Miami kind of takes on a negative bent for whatever reason. And I'm talking about perception wise and media wise for whatever reason, sure. whatever sure. reason it is. And uh, I said, one thing you don't know about the Miami kid, you will never have harder workers from, I don't care. You, these kids that come out of Miami, Amen. boy, will they work. I said, it's, it's, it's part of their program. It's part of their culture, but you're going to get, when you get a Miami kid, you're going to get a kid that is really a hard worker and you're going to love being around them. And that's what I think about Miami when we talk about Miami, because they are uh, just, a, a, just a tremendous, tremendous place. And I know, you know, they're always trying to get that thing going down there uh, and get it back to, you know, what they what they have been. And and uh, I always pull for them. I just I just because of being around them and I know how hard the kids work. But anyway, when you told that story, I just want to inject that only because it it's all part of what you look for in football, whether it's specialists, what, you know, just like you're talking about Ed Reed and you know, Santana Moss or whoever it is, you know, those guys are going to, they, it's all so big of a part of who you want to bring in, you know, who you want to, who you want to have on your team, who you want to work with every day. Uh, you know, and I'm not saying they can't, you know, I'm not saying a kid can't disagree with you. I'm not saying that at all, because I think one of the things I think that uh, I didn't even mention, but I'm going to mention it now. I think, you know, when you're, when you're looking for a kid, uh, I always wanted to have great communication with the kid. And I wanted, I wanted that kicker. Uh, and we can go into a little bit of, you know, detail on some of this, how I coached him. But I mean, I wanted that guy. I wanted to know what he thought. And if I was screwing him up, I, you know, I really wanted to know, you know, I didn't want him to be doing something that, that, you know, well, right now that, you know, get that toe, get it two more degrees over here or get, you know, you miss that thing by half an inch. And he's thinking about, I, I mean, I wanted to know 
how he was thinking. Uh, so sometimes I would get, you know, especially some of the guys that, uh, uh, you know, that would play in other positions and I'd get feedback from them. You know, uh, I remember a great thing, Chris Hinton, if you remember the great player out of uh, Northwestern, uh, played for the Falcons, played for um, Indianapolis. He's in, I don't know if he's a Hall of Famer, but he should be. I remember going round and round with him on uh, field goal protection. And Chris was a great, great young man. Uh, I think he's got a, a kid that plays in the NFL now. He's getting drafted. Anyway, he uh, going round and round with him on field goal protection. And he'd been doing it about 10 years. And he really knew a lot more than I did. Was he and, an end or a wing or what was he? Oh, he was inside. He was a guard. Okay. He was a guard. He was a great player. He was a, he's a great player out of Northwestern. So he's a smart, he's, and he knew more about how to, you know, in those days we had, you could stack, you could push, you could do all this stuff. And he had all the tricks of the trade. Somebody had taught him really well. And here I come in there, you know, I'm, you know, do it my way type thing. And, and I really learned a lot from him. That was my first year. Chris was great. He was always studying film. And, but anyway, uh, back on to, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I, I gave myself some time to think about this. I'd really like to say only guys that I've had at multiple places and only because I don't want to put one guy over the other and it's kind of get categorize them. And, you know, I coached so long, I, I've had a lot of different guys and, and they were, you know, I mean, when you can kick in the NFL, you can punt or snap in the NFL, you're a pretty special guy, sure. you know, and to, and to make it. And like I said, uh, it, it wasn't always a, hundred percent with every single player but it just about pretty damn close and uh, these guys were great you know but I'd say Norm Johnson is a kicker I had him in two places and I thought we talked about his work ethic I mean it was mm -hmm. just off the charts and he was just a great person and uh you know he he just was a special guy and worked at his craft I mean really worked it you know sky kicks and onside kicks surprise onside kicks uh just everything you know just everything was always there for you know was always there for you you know um so he was great um as as a punter you know I had some really good punters as well uh some really great ones so the guy that i had at both places was similar similar to that uh, just a just a really hard working the way we had our practice structured and so forth uh he would stay after every practice and then he he led the league when i was at buffalo we led the league two years in a row and downing the ball and uh, it was because of his work ethic and I, now i made the gunner stay out there I made them stay out. They would have, they might've went in a little earlier than I wanted them to. If I said, look, you can stay out if you want, you can go in when you want, you can do whatever you want. I, I don't know if I'd have had the success, to, but Mark, uh, I didn't make him do it. He wanted to do it. He wanted to do it. And, and he really worked hard. He was great at that. He was great at, you know, working the, to, to, to working on the directional kicks. Uh, 
but they had all the ingredients. These guys had all the ingredients that you would, you know, that we talked about earlier. Plus they had the skill. They were, they were, they were skillful. They were, they were really top of the line players at their position. And then at, um, at the snapping position, uh, the one guy you mentioned earlier that, you know, Kendall Gammon is, is, uh, just such a such a unique guy uh, and with all these guys you almost they were so good at stuff they were so special at stuff stuff other than their craft other than what they were paid to do they were just so great to be around you know Kendall is is, is almost like a renaissance man I mean he's he's in media he's a NFL player for a long time, played on really outstanding teams, played for Vermeil, who, you know, coach Vermeil. I'm so happy he's in the Hall of Fame. He's one of the greatest people, greatest coaches ever. Uh, and, 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 you know, he's author, you know, he's, he's just special, you know. And Kendall was like, you know, all the stuff I talked about, about what I would look for, you know, he embodies, he embodies, he, he was a guy that, you know, he was there as a snapper, but he took, he used to drive me crazy really because he has bad ankles or he had bad ankles. And the reason he had them is because he would take every scout team rep for the, for the, the, you know, for the defensive guys, he played tight end, he would snap, he would play tackle, he would play whatever so he's out there. He's a pretty, he's a really good athlete. You know, he'd run routes. He'd be doing this. I'd say, Kendall, man, I, you know, I, I want you to, you know, man, look, you got to give your ankle some rest. I mean, you got to, no, I can do it. I can do it. He would, the kickers wanted to kick a little extra. He would be, I, I mean, just everything. And John Dornboss is another unique guy. I don't know if you know John Dornboss. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Just I love him. the, the overall quality as a person, you know, he, he plays Vegas as a magician, magician, you know, he's a Vegas acting as a mid, it's hard for me to say that word magician, uh, but he's phenomenal and phenomenal work ethic and phenomenal exuberance of, uh, and I had him at two places. I had him at Philly and I had him at, um, I, I had him at, um, a Buffalo. So, uh, same type of guys, you know, now the craft was, was excellent. The craft was excellent, but they were so special to bring back. Uh, I just love to be around them for one more game, come from out of pasture and be on the sidelines with those guys. It'd be like uh, going to an old timers game at Yankee stadium. They probably all do a heck of a job, you know, for one day. They would. They would, and they're all special people. You know, that's the that's what I love so much about coaching. Um, and like I said, I you know I started and was at Southern Mississippi. And what I really loved about, yeah, I, I mean, I loved winning the games, and I, I love seeing a guy, you know, block a punt or kick a fifty-eight yard field goal. I mean, I love that, but but I love them as people. And being around them as people, but they had all the qualities that you would love. Uh, 
you know, so not, there was never any, there was never any reason for any negativity with the guy like that. You know, you, as a coach, you, you, you end up getting frustrated with the guy that, you know, you told him exactly what to do and from either not concentrating or not giving enough effort. It wasn't that he couldn't do it. It's almost that he didn't really want to do it. You know, if they, if they can make the plays that their skill level allows them to make and they can't make the plays that their skill level doesn't allow them to make, you know, it's a perfect world for a coach. Now you might get fired because you, you've been, you know, the results aren't, if you have a got a lot of guys that can't make the play based on their skill level, you might get fired. You may not get the results, but it's a, it's a beautiful thing for, for, for a coach and for the athlete to know that, look, I'm going to give this everything I got. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to sail or sink based on, uh, my work ethic, my integrity, my character, uh, my mind, the ability that I naturally have and I'm riding with it. I'm putting all those chips on the table and I'm playing his hand. It's a beautiful thing, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I deal with a few guys that are active right now, uh, kickers in the NFL, and I see them, I don't know, probably three times a year. We'll, we'll see we'll see these guys in March, and then we'll probably see them right, right in July, right before they take a break, before they have to report. And I always say to these guys, just, you know, uh, in between trainings, I'm like, you're one of 32. You know, I, we just have this little saying, and it's these, these guys are one of 32 in the world. Yeah. This is like you said earlier. You said it, man. These guys are special people. And it's, 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 uh, I, th- I always say it's even, you know, they're not volatile. Like you said earlier, they don't get too high because if they get too high, they're going to have a tendency to get too low. Yes. Bad things, bad things are going to happen. Right. And I think you've seen it. I think that that is not where you want to be, um, in a low point is too low. You want to be even. Right. Um, I think that I think the patience plays a big part in this because we can't overdo it. Like you said earlier, this unnatural aggressive movement, especially kickoffs, um, you need to make the time count and then you need to be patient around that time and be smart about it, which leads me to the last thing, discipline. Uh, so you need to not be married to your process. Um, you need to refine your process, but you need to always have a process and discipline enough to, to stick with that process in the interim until things need to be changed. And I think that that, is much harder than just being able to kick, put, and snap. I think that is the guys that played for you on Sundays. You, they have to have these things, um, which leads me to my last question for you. Uh, we have a lot of parents, players, and coaches, and everyone is obviously very interested in this fourth down subject, and most people uh, have aspirations to play on Sunday or to have a kid play on Sunday, or these coaches probably want to know from you, um, what would be the best <laughs> – advice you could offer these players and coaches in giving them the best opportunity to play maybe one day on Sunday or, or at a high level in the FBS? Well, hopefully uh, what I'm going to say is not uh, self-demeaning in any way. Uh, I don't mean it to be that way. I got tremendous confidence in myself. Uh, But you know, I did, I was not, a. I did not grow up uh, kicking, you know, I did not grow up being around any sort of 
soccer. We didn't have, we didn't even know what soccer was. We might've seen it on the wide world of sports uh, with Lindsey Nelson, you know, uh, commentating, but that was about it. And so, and then ki actually kicking the ball, you know, when we played out in the streets and, or in the playground, you know, when we punted on fourth down, we threw the ball. When we kicked off, we threw the ball. So what I found that worked best for me because of my limitations. Now I'm not an expert at it. So an expert at it may not take this and run with it, but I think even an expert can clean something out of what I'm going to say is what I would do with the kicker. And that's why I interjected later that it's so important that, that there's feedback. Cause that's the, that's really the only way I coached is through feedback and here would be a typical, here would be a typical way of coaching the kickers the snappers and the punters for me. We would film and I would film and chart their sessions. Um, you know, whether it was a, a kicking session with the team or, you know, off individual kicking. And I would have everything there. I'd have their time. I'd have their, you know, you know their get off times, you know, uh, I would have all of that charted. I would have exactly the hang, the location, where the hang of the location was called and where it ended up, you know, because they're not always the same. <laughs> for, the, for the field goal kicker, I would have, uh, you know, I had a picture of goalposts and I would put it right where it went through. If it went... Mm -hmm two feet over the uprights. I, I put an X in right in the middle. I put an, uh, an X, you know, uh, what would be two feet scaled over. The, if it hit the upright, I put an X on the, uh, not an X, but I put a number where the, you know, that kick was from. And then we had the close up of the kicker. And sometimes we, we you know, the close up was from behind. So we, we had it. And then what I would do, we would, we would look at it and, and just comment. And then I would always take their three best kicks and their three worst. And then we would talk about why this was such a great kick. And they would tell me, because these guys knew more, you know, I mean, look, when Norm Johnson came in, he was already, I think it was an All-American at UCLA. He kicked at Seattle for Chuck Knox for nine years. I'm, you know, I'm, I mean, what, what could I possibly coach? Now, if you were coaching him, it, it might be different. So for every guy, it's different. But, but to go through that process where they're really coaching me. Now, for a young kid that needs to learn, you know, you're going to have to interject. When you, take, when you take that format that I just said, and you take his best three and his worst three. You know, you can look at it together. Look at your foot on this one. You know, and, and, and there's so much technology now. I mean, you could freeze the dang thing and see exactly where his plant foot is on one kick and freeze it on the other. And you, you got a picture of it. You know, we didn't have all that, you know, but you can do that now. And, you know, just as a, just as a, a coach that's, Let's say there's a high school kid that's back at his high school. They hired him immediately out of uh, Central Florida. He didn't make it to the NFL, but they love him at the school. And 
he's in there coaching and they, they want him to work with the kickers and well, he's not going to know anything about kicking. Right. I mean, that happens a lot. It happened to me. That's how I got my high school. I wasn't all state, by the way. Uh, (laughs) 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 I was, I was all, I was all uh, town. Uh, I've made all town, but there there was only one high school in my town. So I think that had something to do with it. But, uh, (laughs) but anyway, you know, you can just, you can, you'll learn yourself. Like, Oh shit. I see that. I'm sorry about that comment. Oh heck. I, I see that. I see the difference. I see why this one was great. I see why this one was bad. Hey, you know what? Let's take this picture of your plant foot on this perfect kick that you hit from 45. Put it on your mirror in your bathroom. I want you looking at it when you go home. I want you visualizing that. You know, the one where he's, you know, he kicked the one you know, three yards out of, away from the left upright. There's going to be a difference between where he's striking the ball, you know, where, you know, laterally inverted, you know, and vertically. There's going to be a difference in his plant foot. There's going to be a difference in how his toe is pointed. You, you know, all the things, you know, you know, you're, an, you're, you're, you're an expert at this. You could, you could help a kid more than I could because you wouldn't be like, I learned from the kickers and the punters, but they were, they, but I was, you know, if I was with a high school kid who wasn't Norm Johnson, you know, who wasn't Mark Royals, who wasn't Kendall Gammon, you know, I get them kind of batteries included. Right. I mean, you think I'm going to go in there and day one tell Kendall Gammon how to snap? No, I mean, I'm not going to do that. But, but if I, but if I film a high school kid and I know, you know, I know what it takes, you know, I've heard enough, I've, I've researched enough. Let's try this. Let's work at this. Let's film a little bit of this. Let's see, you know, let's put your hands here and let's see, let's see the, let's film this and let's look at how it's spinning. Let's look at the velocity. Okay, you know what? That was a bad suggestion. Let's uh, let's make sure those little fingers are, are are directly parallel. I mean, not parallel, but directly in line underneath that ball. Let's try that, and let's get that thumb a little bit higher on the left hand. Whatever it is, um, that's how I coached them. Now, because I was with NFL players, they actually coached me. The longer I coached, the more I could interject, the more I could say, you know what, you know what uh, Gary Anderson used to do? You know, I mean, I had enough experience that, you know what I mean? I mean, I could say, you know, you know what uh, uh, Sean Lindetta did, you know, I mean, I, I mean, I had some experienced guys. I mean, most of the guys. So. I learned so much more from them, like a guy like Landetta, you know, all the guys I'm talking about, they, they played forever. You know, they weren't, they played a year and then they, I mean, they had great, they not only had great ability, they had great knowledge. Um, so that's how I coached them off of film and off of charts. But the chart was, now this takes the organization now. You know, I mean, they got to work at this. They got to get a film guy. They got to get, you know, but 
when I was in high school and, uh, you know, now I'm going back to, you know, the grapes of wrath of football. You know, I played, I played high school ball in the sixties. I know your audience can't see me. They would go, no way. This guy's too young. Uh, but <laughs> you know, we, we, I think we, we went out almost like a walkthrough on Thursdays before Friday night game for our special teams. <laughs> now it's come a long way. You know, it's come a long way. Our best athletes were the kicker and the punter because they could, they had the most dexterity and flexibility and ability. Uh, uh, you know, so I think that's a great way to coach them. Especially, especially if you're, especially if you're like me, where you go into coaching something you know nothing about. And I'm not saying fake it. I'm not saying fake it either because you're going to screw them up if you fake it. I'm just saying like uh, Jack Webb and Dragnet, you know, just the facts. Here's the facts. When you did this, that ball went right through. When you did this, you shanked it. When you did this, you pushed it. When you did this, you were short. What, what, were, you, were you too far back? Were you too far up? And, and especially with a kid that doesn't have a lot of experience, you know, cause you get in there, you get in there with a guy, um, you know, like Gary Anderson. I mean, you're going to have to be like a jeweler on a, 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 a $10,000 watch. I mean, there's going to be, I mean, the increments are so small and the degree of error is so small that, uh, you might need him to tell you, even if you are an expert, man, what do you think made that shank there? I, and he'd go, I, I, you know, he's got that North, uh, uh, South African accent. He'd go, I, you know, I got my, I got that too far, you know, uh, I, you know, so, so, <laughs> you, you know, that kind of coaching is how the best way to, I think for a high <laughs> school coach to do it. Now, if you, you know, I mean, if you get the kid, uh, you know, uh, coming out of the University of Florida, uh, the, the coach at your high school, and, and he has more expertise, but he can still use that format. And I think it, it worked wonders for me. I had some tremendous guys, some tremendous guys. And it wasn't because of my coaching. It was because of that. They coached me and they examined themselves to, because I made them, you know, I made them say, look here, this is different. What do you think? And sometimes they go, yeah, you know, I'm, I don't, I don't, I don't think any, I don't think so. You know, I go, look, you know, I, I you got a little, you got a little too much lean there. Look at your left side. You know, eh, I don't think so. I don't think, and you know, I wasn't going to, I go, yeah, well, we got a difference of opinion on that one. Cause they, you, these guys are easy to coach. Right. I mean, they're, they're, they're made for coaches. Cause they're so dedicated to that craft and it, it, you know, there's, it, it, it's, it's, it's fun to be around and, and high school guys with that form. Cause you could be a guy like me. I went in there. I didn't know anything and you can still coach and, it, and, and it'll be fun. Believe me. It's fun. It was fun to be around those guys. Yeah, I my mind's going nuts. You gave so many good points, but I think what I want to take away is film is 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 so powerful 
and it's always been a big part of football, but it's never been easier to, to gather some film, even independently. I mean, I have kids that can prop it on a shoe, position it backside, front side, quarter, and give me really, really good film to coach them via the web or, or, or whatever, mobily. And um, to my point is, I, I think that high school kids in my 21 years of doing this, and I love kicking, punting, snapping, right? I think they're the hardest to coach because of what you're saying. You, you're a... When you come into this football world as a freshman in high school, if you will, you're going to bring about a ton of variables that your body just does because it's a natural response to what you think is correct. And I think by the time you find a way to transition, hopefully to college, you've eliminated some or extracted some of these unnecessary, unneeded movements to, to streamline your process, to straighten your ball flight, to hit better rotating balls, all these very meticulous things. Like you said, it's a game of inches. And finally, like, when you get to Sunday, these guys have a refined process to where they've almost eliminated every unnecessary variable. And I think that what you did probably, this is what I'm guessing based on what you're saying is you identified unnecessary, unnatural movements. They were outliers. Yeah. And it was probably, it was probably very evident, right? Like, Hey, you overstrided or, Hey, that, that's a, that's a hard left hip. I call it instead of a, you know, a linear plant side on a field goal. And these things are deviations from normal because we're humans. And I think that's why you're a good coach is you're like, I don't really have to know how to kick the ball. The kicking is not the problem. It's all of the things done prior to that kick that, that really results in what we need to have happen and make the kick. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it, it, it's little things. I remember I went out and, and, and work with a kid at a high, you know, the local high school. And, um, you know, he was walking off his steps. Like he was kicking the ball for an extra point. It could have been and you know, high school, there's some wide hashes. Mm-hmm. Well, his walk-off was the same on the left hash and the right hash. Well, mm. he's not going to be, he, he'd have to be Superman to be a good kicker. Sure. But that's some of the stuff that, you know, he has to, they have to do. And, and sometimes they just don't get it. Um, I mean, they don't get it because they, they don't get it from somebody else. But I think, I, I think, you know, it's what you said, they're harder to coach. By the time I get them, they're easier to coach because they, there's, they got so much experience. I mean, they're the experts, you know, they're really the experts. Hopefully, uh, you know, and, and, and especially when you've had a guy that has kicked for a long time, you know, the Sebastian Janikowski guy, the, the, you know, the, the, the Norm Johnson, the Gary Anderson's, you know, the, the Doug Bryan's, you know, all these guys, they have so much experience of, of their own way of how they're successful. Uh, it's fun to learn from them, you know, uh, but anyway, that that's that's how it did. Yeah. Coach, I, I cannot thank you enough, man. It, it was really a pleasure for having you come join us today. And I always ask my guests if you could share a way or two they could reach you. Perhaps I don't know if you have any form of social media or if you want to share like an email, but I'm sure someone out there would probably want to reach out to you for a question. Yeah, yeah. Let me I'm gonna have to spell this because okay. um I, I don't have any Facebook. I don't have anything, but I do have an email. And I'm going to spell my email. 
and I'll take it slow and they can send me whatever and I'll work to answer that question if I can, you know. But it, it's C H A L M E T T E 1971 at Gmail dot com and if they're if they're confused with with any of the spelling or, or i said it too fast or maybe even said it wrong uh <laughs> i don't think so it's the it's the town that i'm from right here in new orleans and uh, new orleans city I'm right there on the border of new orleans and uh if they look up my resume or where i'm from i have stuff on google or whatever you could google me and see some of my background and all of that. It's that town, Chalmette. It's where the Battle of New Orleans was fought. Huh. So they could look History. that up. Where was the Battle of New Orleans actually fought? In a place called Chalmette. In 1971 is my graduating class. So um, that's it. Thanks so much. Uh, please give us a five-star rating, a review, subscribe to the show, and share with a friend. If you have questions, suggestions for future topics or guests, or if you just have feedback for me, you can reach me, Dan Lundy, in several ways. Uh, fourthdownu.com is my website. And on Instagram and Twitter, you can reach me at fourthdownu. That's 4-T-H-D-O-W-N-U. Thanks again for joining us at Fourth Down Focus, presented by Bet Online. We'll see you next week with an exciting new guest. I hope 2022 is treating each of you well. And remember, in all things, give thanks. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.